All right, so we got a bi-week reset. Time to recharge those batteries, time to get healthy, and time to reset the conversation about who the Tennessee football team is. That, your mailbag questions, all that here on a Tuesday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Balls. It is your team every single day here on a Tuesday. Appreciate you for being here. I'm your host, Eric Kane. And as always, thanks so much for making Locked On Balls your first listen. Shout out every day. Today is your show. You ask questions. I do my best to answer. And we do that right here on Locked On Balls. Quickly, before we get into a dominated show of mailbag questions and one that sparks a segment, I love when a question sparks a segment. So off the top, shout out to... Gibby, Gibby in the Twitter, Twitter sphere or the X sphere, whatever you want to call it, uh, sparked a conversation. We're going to get into that question here in segment one, then answer your questions in segments two and three. Uh, James Pierce named SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. The official stats have him at two sacks and one quarterback hurry. Um, okay. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him at three sacks and nine quarterback hurries. In fact, look what Pro Football Focus tweeted out over the weekend. Uh, I mean, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you can see it. James Pierce Jr., nine QB pressures versus South Carolina, the most of any player in Week 5. Not a bad week whatsoever. James Pierce joining Tyler Barron as the second Tennessee football player to receive SEC honors so far this week, I believe, or this year. And, of course, that was Defensive Lineman of the Week as well. Actually, Joe Milton was SEC Offensive Player of the Week in Week 1. So, uh, joining Tyler Barron is picking up SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week honors so far this year for the University of Tennessee. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. Your mailbag questions in two and three, segments two and three. But Gibby chimes in and says, I know you did a segment in this in the offseason of your top five players, but who do you think they are through five games? Great question. I'm not going to do offense and defense top five because – I mean, honestly, I, I know you said through five games, but I just, uh, I don't know. There hasn't been much of a sample size because you play two teams with a pulse. So I'm going to do team-wide, and um, we're going to start that off here right now. Uh, this is up for debate. This is objective. Your five is going to be different from my five, and let me know what your five is, offense, defense, special teams, because I can go ahead and, agree, I can go ahead and tell you right now, everybody listening and watching, you're not going to agree with my one through five all the, all the way through. It's just not going to happen. But with that being said, here is my top five. Starting at number five, working our way down to number one. Number five is Jabari Small. Everybody's talking about Jalen Wright. Everybody's talking about Dylan Sampson. And honestly, I'm going to do Jabari Small slash Dylan Sampson because I'm going to cheat. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. Everybody's talking about Jalen Wright and me included about how he's, you know, RB1 taking a step and and all that is deserved. But all Dylan Sampson's done is second the SEC in rushing touchdowns. All Jabari Small has done is just every time he runs the football, every game he's run the football so far, he's done a good job averaging over five yards a carry. Those two guys have done really well. All three of these guys rank in like the top 15 in terms of rushing yards in the Southeastern Conference right now. And Dylan Sampson or uh, Jalen Wright is up there is really up there. So two-thirds of the um, of the three-headed monster is going to come in at number five, and obviously you know Jalen Wright's going to be up there in my top five uh, towards the top. But it's my top five. I can do whatever I want, and uh, Jabari Small slash Dylan Sampson comes in there at number five. At number four, it's going to be Tyler Barron. 
Um, Tyler Barron has been really good. It's a contract year for Tyler Barron. Let's make no ifs, ands, buts about it. It's a contract year for Tyler Barron. And you see it in the NFL all the time. You see it in college. And I'm not trying to say that they're not trying or they're not giving effort or anything uh, the previous couple years in college. I'm not saying that at all. But you know this is pretty much it. It's time to go. If you're wanting to be a high you know, draft pick and make the most money you possibly can, now's the time. You don't want to use that COVID year and have another year of tread on the tires. You want to go get it now. And that's what Tyler Barron's doing. He's doing really, really well. He's second on the team behind James Pierce with four sacks. That's top five or six in the SEC, I believe, right now, doing a hell of a job. He's playing well from the outside in. Him being on the inside and Rabbit's package has been so cr critical because he'll he'll burst inside and you'll have Pierce and, and, and Harrison or, or Josephs or whoever on the outside going upfield, forcing that quarterback to step up, and there's Tyler Barron to clean it up, right? I mean, that's, that's the point of Rabbit's package. Tyler Barron is having a great season so far. So number five, Jabari Small slash Dylan Sampson. Number four is Tyler Barron. Number three, you can't mention Tyler Barron without James Pierce. The SEC reigning defensive lineman of the week, leading the team with five sacks. Second in the SEC only to Alabama, Alabama's Dallas Turner with six sacks so far to lead the SEC. He is so good. And you knew that he was good last year. It just you had to, you had to come along. You had to... Um, know the offense, or excuse me, you had to know the defense, you had to know the scheme, you had to buy in and all that type of stuff. The talent has never been an issue. Plus, he's put on some weight over the offseason, and he's at six foot five, about 245 right now. He looks good and still can add weight to that frame, but he is big, he is explosive, he is long. He just beats offensive tackles with, with speed off the edge, and then he can dip underneath, and he's athletic enough to dip underneath and then still to not lose contain. Um, he's a weapon. He is a problem for opposing offensive tackles. Those poor freshmen for South Carolina, goodness gracious, uh, they, they had no answer for him. Um, he was an animal. And so James Pierce comes in at number three. So number five, Jabari Small. Number four, Tyler Barron. Number three is James Pierce. Number two is Jalen Wright. I mean, I don't have the official stat sheet in front of me, but Jalen Wright averaged over nine yards a carry the first two weeks of the season. This past week, he averaged over seven yards per carry. The dude is good. The dude, his vision, really good. Knows where the crease is. Know where the cutback lanes are. He's gotten so much better from his freshman season on in terms of running between the tackles and not being afraid to run between those tackles. He's done a really, really nice job. Plus, he looks like a Southeastern Conference running back. His dad listens to the podcast, I believe. So shout out to Jalen Wright's dad. I uh, met him a couple of weeks ago, and, and that, that's that's awesome to hear. I was like, hey, I'm a big fan of your son. He's like, oh, I know. <laughs> but uh, Jalen Wright's been really, really good, and uh, he was really good the other day. That 42-yarder, those double-team those double combo blocks from Cooper Mays and Ollie Lane, and then Gerald Mincy and Javante Spragans, and just found that crease and went. Uh, really got Tennessee up and going. So Jalen Wright comes in at number two. Number five, Jabari Small. Number four, Tyler Barron. Number three, James Pierce. Number two, Jalen Wright. And number one, right now it's Squirrel White. Fight me on that. No, don't fight me on that, but you know, contradict me on that. Tell me how it's not Squirrel White. Uh, so much we're talking about right now about how Joe Milton can't throw it down the field or they don't trust Joe Milton or maybe it's a little bit with the offensive line or whatever the case may be. All right. Um, I kind of went into that on yesterday's show, and we'll continue to talk about that as the week goes on. But Squirrel White has been the go-to guy, okay? He has been, he leads the team in targets, I would assume. I don't, again, I should have had the stat sheet in front of me. I apologize. I would assume that he leads the team in receptions. Um, you know, working that quick screen game, trying to be creative and finding ways to get the football to him down the field. 
often can't throw it to him over the middle because he's he's kind of a, a smaller guy, but they, they, they do those wheel routes, and they figure out ways to try to get the ball to him down the field just like they did the other night when he made that heck of a catch somehow, you know, down, down the far sideline. Squirrel White has been incredible for Tennessee when myself included, okay, all the talk this offseason was Dante Thornton, Dante Thornton, Dante Thornton. It's been Squirrel White. You knew Squirrel White was going to play. Don't get me wrong. You knew he was going to be a part of this offense, but I didn't know five games in he was going to be number one on my charts. Shout out Squirrel White. He's done a heck of a job. So shout out to Gibby. Gibby, that was his question, uh, saying, I know you did this over the offseason, but uh, kind of what are what are your top five through five games? Uh, really, I, I love questions that spark conversation. So uh, really, really good stuff there. Hey, when we come back, we're going to get into more of y'all's good questions. Twitter Tuesday right here on your mailbag edition of the show, Lockdown Balls. Tell you about our friends, Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry about when you're going to buy tickets to your next event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, uh, comedy, theater events, all in your area. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seats, the best price guarantee, Game Time tasks the guest, takes the guesswork out of buying tickets today. Easy to find your tickets and buy your tickets for every kind of event in your area. You can see your seats, plus Game Time's got your back. They have a price guarantee for event cancellation protection, also job loss protection for you as well. Game Time has got the deals on the tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after the event start. It's the place to find last-minute seats because if you're like me, you are a procrastinator and you don't prioritize correctly sometimes. And Game Time has got my back and it can have your back as well today. Plus, if you download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked On College, you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On College, L O C K. K-E-D-O-N, college, C-O-L-L-E-G-E. Yeah, is that how you spell that? Locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Want to welcome you back here to this Tuesday edition of Locked on Vols. We will have Josh Ward on for a little Ward Wednesday action coming up tomorrow. Boogie Bentley on uh, Thursday of this week. And we'll continue to work in some more guests. We'll look at pro football focus stats that matter from the South Carolina game on Wednesday as well. Uh, but today, it's about answering your questions right here on the show. We're going to start on the YouTube channel. This is from Noah. Hypothetical question for you. Let's say Georgia keeps getting by with close wins all year to teams they should be blowing out, and Tennessee manages to win out and beat Georgia in Knoxville, knocking Georgia out of the conference title game. Do you think Georgia still makes the playoffs with that resume? It's a good question. Um... That's a lot of hypotheticals, obviously, uh, because you know saying Tennessee's going to win, you know, win out its next five games, it's going to be a challenge. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's going to be a challenge for sure. So that's one hypothetical. Georgia just getting by and looking kind of crappy doing that, but still win upon win upon win upon win, but losing to Tennessee in Neyland Stadium against a team in this scenario, Tennessee's not losing another game, right? Um, potentially, yeah. Even though you're not in Atlanta, we've seen it a couple different times. The team that misses out on Atlanta still gets to go to the college football playoff in this four team system. We've seen it a couple times here. I believe a couple times, at least, at least once at minimum, but we've seen it. We've also seen two undefeated teams with the loser still going. Um, anyway, uh, I, I don't know, man, part of me wants to say no, because I believe style points matter. I truly do. Shouldn't matter. Shouldn't. But I believe style points matter to the, in the eyes of the committee. I truly believe that. So I want to say no. But also, the fact that you're back-to-back -back national champions and you're Georgia, 
probably going to get the benefit of the doubt like Alabama gets in years past. If I was on the committee, I would keep him out. Just sitting here right here. But of course, we got to see how it plays out. Um, is is anybody, is Brock Bowers in the Heisman conversation? Is anybody, you know, really kind of making some noise? We know that Carson Beck's not, but has Carson Beck gotten a whole lot better? Uh, we'll see. I would say no, but I bet you they get the benefit of the doubt. No, I appreciate the question. Uh, let's go to Jonathan. With the loss of Brew, how far down the bench does Tennessee need to look for the next potential Jalen Hyatt slash Cedric Tillman-esque receiver at talent, receiver talent? Uh, not one name sticks out as a super exciting prospect to me currently from what we've seen on the field. Well, to be fair, it took Cedric Tillman four years to become Cedric Tillman. Uh, it took Jalen Hyatt until his junior year to be the Bolitnikoff guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he had promise as a freshman, but he got benched as a sophomore. So who are you or who am I to say, well, I've seen a little of Caleb Webb. I've seen a little of Chaz Nimrod. I've seen a little of Squirrel White. I don't think that they're going to be that type of player. I just think it's kind of too early because every situation is kind of different. Now, the loss of Brew certainly is a huge one. Um, you know, Dante Thornton's got to have to come back and get healthy. Uh, you're going to have to rely on Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod a lot. Like, you're truly going to have to play some more receivers because I don't think this is a scenario where Romel Keaton steps up and it's just, all right, you're out, you're in, and go. I think Tennessee's going to have to work to kind of move some pieces and play a couple of different guys. So, um, in terms of being Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman esque in terms of talents, I mean, Squirrel would be closest to that for sure, uh, in my opinion. Romel Keaton can still, you know, make some plays. But I just I don't think we know the answer to that right now. Let's go to Glock Vols. Do you think our O line builds off the uh, performance on Saturday? If so, do you think it could be somewhat close to what it was last year? Uh, you hope you hope that it builds off what it did on Saturday for sure because they you know, they look good. That unit looked good. Um, allowed one sack. I thought Milton could have got rid of the ball in that scenario as well. Paved the way for over 200 yards rushing, 238 yards I believe. Uh, did a really good job. Did a really good job. Now. Do I think it's ever going to return to what it was last year? Uh, no. And, and again, I don't think last year was like the best I've ever seen. But, I mean, it was a lead. It was. I mean, you had Darnell Wright. Um, you had Jerome Carvin. You had a healthy Cooper Mays. I mean, you were you were farther along than where you are right now. So, can this group ever get close to that? I don't think this group will ever be as good as that group was on its worst day last year. That's just my opinion. But can this group still improve and get better and be solid? Oh, absolutely. You give a performance like you did on Saturday, not every week. Hey, that's that's good stuff. That's that's really really good stuff. Uh, so hopefully you, you know that this offensive line will continue to improve. Uh, number two, do you think Dante Thornton will be able to take Bruce's role, or do you think they go with Caleb and Chaz? I think it's going to be a combination. Um, yeah, I do. You know, I, I talked all offseason long why I like Dante Thornton so much is because he's got versatility to his game. He can play inside. He can play outside. Time to put that versatility to use. You know, get him healthy these next two weeks with that hamstring, and let him play a little slob, and let him let him bump outside. Use his long, explosive nature, just like Javante Payton was of this offense a couple years ago. Uh, so I think it's going to be a combination. I truly do. I think they're going to play Caleb Webb a lot. I think they like Caleb Webb, and you know, Chaz Nemrod had that drop on third down. It was bad, but. I don't think you give up on the kid just uh, because of that one. And then number three, percentage likely to make it to the SEC championship. I don't know. I mean, you already lost to Florida, but uh, the SEC is kind of down this year. You know, what happens to Georgia the rest of the way? What happens to Kentucky the rest of the way? 
Uh, Tennessee's got to play both of those teams. What happens to Tennessee the rest of the way? I mean, you you still control somewhat of your own destiny because I don't believe Florida is good. And now, you know, Florida sitting in with a one-on-one record holds the tiebreaker over Tennessee. I think Florida's going to have another L on that schedule at some point in time. A uh, percentage chance, I don't know. I would say less than 50, but uh, SEC's kind of down this year. So I think the, the ceiling's still the same for this team and everything's still in front of you, but you got to handle business. So again, percentage, I don't know. I'll give you, uh, without putting much thought on this, I'll give you 25%. Um, I don't know. I'm really bad at numbers and gauges and one through tens. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Let's go to uh, let's go to Hunter here. I think Tennessee's offense is at its best with Coop at center and Mincy at right tackle. Is it just me or is that the best it's looked all year from a tempo perspective? Go Vols. Uh, yeah, for sure. In the first half, love the tempo. Love the tempo. They slowed it down in the second half. And I mean, I get it. 31-10, 31-17. You got a 2-3 score lead. You want to take time off. I understand it. But I mean, Come on, keep, keep going. And, and maybe they were doing some of that to give Cooper Mays a break. Remember, Cooper Mays didn't practice really until the week before. Cooper Mays hadn't played in a game or a football scrimmage since spring. Um, dude, dude was going through it. Gutsy effort. Gutsy effort. A uh, job well done to Cooper Mays. Maybe they were slowing it down just so he could have a little break, if you will. But, I mean, I, I wish Tennessee would continue to go faster because, again, I continue to say um, – if you're Tennessee without, if you're not Tempo Tennessee, what are you? You know, prior to last game, you were a bad offensive line with a game manager at quarterback. Now you're, you know, after last game, you're you're uh, you're a uh, you're an okay offensive line and still with a game manager. Like you need that edge. You know what I'm saying? So I liked what they did in the first half. I do. Um, I wish they would have kept doing it on the on in the second half. Cooper Mays at center, absolutely, and I'm and I'm with you. Gerald Mincy should be your right tackle. I'll stand by this. Andre Kirik and J.J. Crawford, when healthy, those two guys will still play. But I think your best five is what you had out there against South Carolina. I truly, truly do believe that. Uh, let's go to Sailor Vol. How much chemistry have you seen between Joe Milton and Caleb Webb? He is going to be a huge problem, or he's going to be huge for this next stretch. Absolutely, he's going to be huge. And those guys are thrown to, to one another. You know, a lot of people kind of made a big deal about uh, Joe Milton or Mel Keaton, you know, last year because they had thrown and, and been with the second team and, and Squirrel as well. They they had been the second group and thrown a lot in practice. Truth of the matter is, I mean, Joe throws to all these receivers, uh, even when Hendon was here. Nico's thrown to all these receivers. Gaston Moore's thrown to a lot of these receivers. Now, you know, team reps are a little bit different, and I hear you, but um, I, I do think they have chemistry. Um, I do think that Joe's – those receivers know how to go about catching a Joe Milton ball. Um or they should at least, but I, I, I'm with you. Caleb Webb is going to have to step up. All those guys are going to have to step up, and um, I, I think that they are uh, seeing each other pretty well right now, Milton and Caleb Webb. Last one here for this segment, then we'll get some more of your questions in segment three. Uh, stay on that wide receiver, assuming the injury wasn't major this week. Is this how the um, is this now the time for Thornton to break out after Bruce's injury, or do you expect Nimrod or Webb to step up more? Again, a lot of wide receiver questions. Yeah, Thornton has got to step up here. I don't want to say now or never, but it's like, all right, man, it's been five games. You've been very mediocre. Uh, you've struggled. Point blank, you've struggled at times. You can see the flashes. You can see the ability and all that. Where is it that everybody was talking about? Let me see it. And now you're going to have more opportunities because a team leader and best all-around wide receiver, you know, and Brew McCoy, he's out. And he's not coming back this season. So, you know, step up. See the need. Step up. Fill that void. You know, Dante Thornton. Um, again, combination of the guys, but Dante Thornton could step up and take this and run. He truly could. He truly, truly could. 
and we will see what happens. We'll have more questions, not just wide receiver questions. I promise you that. Promise you that. That is coming up next right here on Locked On Vols. The mailbag edition of the show continues. Um, do want to uh, tell you guys about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and truly give you that sculpted look, if you know what I'm talking about. Those shorts do the exact same thing that Lululemon does, but the fit is way better. Why? Well, the fit's way better because you don't have that restricting cotton or anything like that. Bird Dogs fix that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches to give you a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement for your everyday life. Bird Dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat whipping fabric, wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long bird dogs are functional for any occasion you can go to dates you can go out on a date with them go get drinks with the boys with them go to church with them go to a, a workout lounging go to a meeting wearing your bird dog slacks or shorts whatever the case may be all right so go to birddogs.com slash locked on college enter that promo code locked on college at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout you don't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you that all right, guys and gals, we got a final segment left here. This mailbag edition of the show, Locked On Vols, every Tuesdays when you everydayers get to li- literally just take it over. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get back into your questions. We'll go to clearly Pate statement material, something, something, something. Um, with the new clock rules trimming down the amount of possessions Tennessee gets, does it feel like Coach is working towards a more complimentary style of football? Um. What do you mean by that? Because in my opinion, the way I see it, Tennessee's been very complimentary. Um, now, if we're talking offense, run to pass. Tennessee starts running the football. Tennessee wants to run the football. Always has. All three seasons Josh Hopple's been here. Tennessee's averaged over 200 yards a game since Josh Hopple's been head coach here. Tennessee led the nation in rushing touchdowns. And we know about the explosive pass plays from a season ago. So in that regard, Tennessee has always been complimentary and, you know, run, 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 set up the pass, run, 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 set up the pass, take shots downfield. So um, I've always seen a complimentary in that regard. Now, if you're talking offense to defense, um, you're talking about, you know, running the football to give your defense a little bit of break. I, I don't think so. I think defense is, I think offense is, is doing its thing and trying to get in the end zone. And then if you get into the end zone and you, t- you take too less of a time, it brings us to our next question here from Blue Light K through 9. Um, how and why are players getting injured on extra points? A, true injury. B, planned. Thank you and go balls. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because I don't want to get on anybody's crap list, but the answer to your question is B, and uh, it is absolutely not <laughs> not not a serious injury and i'll leave it at that uh just go watch the football games for three years and you see a theme there if you know what i'm saying uh blue light k9 i i appreciate you uh chiming in as well as phil uh was blah appreciate the questions here all you guys really really do appreciate the questions uh we'll go on now to the locked on balls channel got a i've saved a couple here let's go Actually, I have a couple in the DMs that I didn't get to. Let's go to Bruce on the loose here. Uh, now that you have a week off, what are the most important three things that you are working on in the off week? Yeah, number one, healthy. And you can't really work on that. But you got to get healthy. Got to get healthy. 
Uh, number two for me is, I mean, you got to take some shots down the field. And Tennessee's taking some shots, and, you know, for whatever reason it is, you know, wide receivers, is it Joe Milton, whatever the case is, been close. And you guys like to remind me, close, you know, close doesn't count unless you're, you know, playing grenades or horseshoes, right? You need you need to connect on some more of those. Tennessee needs to fix the down, down the field passing. This is not bazooka joe overthrow joe yada 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 i mean there's been some really really close times where it's just not quite there um gotta fix those because in these next five games you are going to have to connect on some of those you are going to have to connect on some of those to uh to, to win football games because your defense is not going to be as great as it was every single game like it was against south carolina there will be a game a la florida where you're not you're gonna have trouble running the football and, you know, Tennessee's a great running football team, but sometimes it won't be there. That's life in the SEC, and you've got to create some spark plays for yourself. So number two, I would say is, hey, <laughs> fixing that down-the-field passing that just felt, and again, as fans and media members covering this team, spoiled, okay? It, it felt automatic last year. It felt automatic. Tillman, Hyatt, you know, Keaton, um, Squirrel. I mean, it, it felt, it truly, truly, and Brew, Truly felt automatic last year, and we take that for granted. I think we really, really do. And then number three, tackling, tackling, freaking tackling, tackle, tackle, tackle. Three, no, four straight games. Four straight games, if I'm looking at this correctly, according to Pro Football Focus, Tennessee, again, had 10-plus missed tackles, coming in with 11 missed tackles. Thought it was worse in the first half the other night. Thought it was better as the game went on. There was a lot of things that I liked, and we'll get into more about this with Pro Football Stats That Matter, Pro Football Focus Stats That Matter, um on on tomorrow's show but uh Tennessee again missed too many tackles number one get healthy again can't really work on that number two down the field passing number three tackle 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 too many missed tackles too many flipping missed tackles Bruce as always my man I appreciate you chiming in let's go back to my Twitter account go to the messages uh let's go to Braden here Braden says do you think the tempo will pick up at any point this season on offense? Will we see more action from Ethan Davis on offense? Yeah, the tempo has got to pick up, and I do think it's going to get better now that you do have Cooper Mays back. He's continuing to work himself in there, get in shape, and feel more like himself. I think that'll help. Um, you know, getting that first first down is critical for tempo, and because Tennessee is such a good running team, I think Tennessee, you know, will continue to be a good running team this year. And, of course, that's going to help with tempo. So my question is, can you just sustain it through the game? Because the last two weeks we've seen Tennessee in the first half have really good tempo. And then they've let off the gas in the second half. I, I just, again, I don't like letting off the gas. So to answer your question, I do think that Tennessee will see that tempo. Um, the second part of your question, any uh, action from Ethan Davis on offense? You know, we'll see. Ethan Davis kind of had an ankle deal, I believe, and he was banged up. I don't think he made the trip to Florida, and he was in street clothes for the UTSA game. But he did dress out, to my knowledge, and I think he's he's working himself back. Get him healthy uh, over this off week and all that. That will be big. But yeah, McCallan Castles, I mean, he's playing a lot, and he's done some good things. But, boy, he's 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 done some head-scratching things as well. He, he's dropped some passes. You know, not just Saturday, but he's dropped some passes this season. He's had some silly penalties. Um, yeah, a lot of times they're drive killers. And so Ethan Davis, or excuse me, uh, McAllen Castle's got to clean it up. He's really got to clean it up, in my opinion. I would love to see Ethan Davis work himself into full. But since we've been here, since Heifel's been here on Rocky Top, Tennessee has never played three tight ends. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, I, McAllen Castle's got to clean some things up. He's got to clean some things up. And you want Ethan Davis to continue progressing because I think Ethan Davis is good. 
Uh, we will go to Kolb's. Hey, man, Twitter Tuesday question. What do we know about Jordan Thomas? Feels like I haven't heard his name much, but he damn near pulled off the safety late in the third quarter. Beautifully timed tackle. Yeah, dude, Jordan Thomas, I think, is going to be a stud. I do. Um, he's been slowed down. So last year as a true freshman, he was healthy, played special teams, and you want to find somebody that's going to be a stud, find a freshman that is just going balls to the wall like crazy on special teams. He was that guy last year. He and Caleb Perry both. Um, he got he got beat up a little bit in spring. Plus, they were moving him from safety to star, safety to star, kind of cross-training him. I think that hurt his development a little bit. And, and then so because of his injury in spring, it, it kept him a little bit out of um, – it kept him out a little bit for fall camp. And so I just think he's kind of been delayed a little bit. But he's got good tools. I think he's smart. He's an aggressive player. And, yeah, that was a really, really nice play. Really, really nice play. Near safety there in the third quarter. Love what I saw there from Jordan Thomas. He's a guy I want to see play more. Now, can he do it consistently? Can Ricky Gibson do it consistently? That's kind of the charge for these young uh, defensive backs. There was one more question. I don't know where it went. Okay, here it is. Swaggy P, Swaggy P. And we'll end on this. And I kind of spoke on it a little bit yesterday. And this is another one of those questions that's going to turn into a segment at some point in time this week or maybe next week. All right. Who are the Vols? Are they the team that we saw against South Carolina or are they the team that we played at Florida? Uh, played played with at Florida. Can they find consistency? Yeah, who are the Vols? What, what do they do well? What, what you know? What did we think that they were going to do well that they did, and, and, and what, what did we miss about? You know, so far right now, Dante Thornton's a miss, right? Um, everybody wanted to say that, you know, me me talking up Jackson Ross all offseason long, the punter, I understand it's a punter, and, you know, coming at me in week one, dude's been great. I'm not going to say he's never going to shank a punt again, but the dude has been great, and he's a weapon for you. Uh, to answer your question, again, I, I like to think that you're more of what you saw against South Carolina. Just for some reason, Tennessee just looks like utter, complete crap at Florida. Um, I think that there's some limitations for sure. I think that if you can't run the football offensively, you're in trouble. I do believe that. I think the offensive line is only going to get better, and this is a group on offensive line-wise that's only allowed five sacks this season, but that doesn't tell all the story, and we know that. I think that as long as Cooper Mays is back and healthy, this offensive line is going to continue to get better and better. I just think you've got the key is you've got to run the football. And like we saw against Florida, Tennessee couldn't run the football and the offense was in trouble. Defensively, just make some tackles. And, and, and you know, Tennessee's defensive line couldn't get back in the backfield because Graham Mertz was getting the ball, getting rid of the ball so quickly. And, and in turn, Tim Banks didn't call as as aggressive of game plan because you had Graham Mertz getting rid of the football so quickly. But as long as that defensive line can can disrupt, you don't have to have six sacks in a game. I think the defensive defense overall is going to take some steps. So I think it's more towards South Carolina than than against Florida because Tennessee was so bad against Florida. Will it be as good as it was against South Carolina for the rest of the year? No, I think it's somewhere in between, but I think it's more towards South Carolina. We'll talk more about this um, as the week goes on. Everydayers, thank you so much for tuning in, making Lockdown Balls your first listen, your first watch on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're watching on YouTube, pound that thumbs up, that like button. Let's get in front. Let's get this video in front of more and more Tennessee fans. Um, as always, thank you for being here, taking time out of your day, spending it with me here on Lockdown Balls. It means more to me than you will ever know. I promise you that. We'll do it again tomorrow on a Wednesday. This is Lockdown Balls.